This is episode 639 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Selco. This is a time of massive change and the direction we're going is not good. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website, so you know you can trust it. Other benefits include members-only videos and periodic webinars, and also virtual online meetups. Hey, this is a great value for $20 a year. For more information, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode. Hey, this article that we are going to read comes to us from The Organic Prepper, And Daisy over there just provides a lot of great content for the preparedness community. And from time to time, she shares articles from Selko, who was a survivor of the Bosnian War that happened in the 1990s. And we have read many of his articles, and they provide a lot of insight. And again, he went through the the war where uh, they were surrounded, and it was a true SHTF situation for a whole year. And uh, he talks about some really crazy things that they went through and how to survive the mental aspect of it, as well as the survival aspect as far as skills and things that go into it. So he brings a perspective, sometimes not always the same, you know, you really have to take what he is saying and try to make it uh, fit, you know, our situation here in the United States. Would things be the same exact way? Uh, Would things play out the same way? Um, Maybe not. And I don't know, maybe they would. But the the thing here to remember is that to look at the insights and to look at the the mindset and the skills and, you know, some of the things that have happened that he can talk about and that we could apply. And so that, you know, we can uh, do the very best that we can to understand maybe what's in store and what's coming in the future. So this article is talking about what is going on currently and not that it's, you know, the coronavirus and, and you know, we're focused a lot of the times on our own local level, but this is also a global pandemic. So it's affecting everyone and every country is dealing with it a little bit different. But here's the thing, is it going to bring some change? And I don't know, I kind of agree that it might bring some change and some of it might be good. Some of it might be bad. And we really need to be prepared for that. Not just looking for the date that the government says, hey, okay, we're opened up, you're good to go. And, you know, things get back to normal. We really need to be thinking about what the future has in store for us so that we can be better prepared. So let's go ahead and jump into this article by the over at theorganicprepper.com. Again, it's written by Selco. And the title is, this is a time of massive change and the direction we're going is not good. Where are we now? We are living in a world where fear controls us or is trying to control us. If we take out all the facts and guesses about the severity of this illness, all, that le- all that's left is fear and we are being driven to act by that fear. 
Hey guys, I forgot to say and mention that I'm going to read the article like Selko writes it. Uh, he, you know, English is a second language, and so sometimes not everything comes through correctly. But I think it it just lends to the fact that it's written by someone that that is not from the United States or that is writing in the native, you know, their native language. So just understand that sometimes I try to change the words, uh, you know, to make them fit the sentence. Other times uh, I try to I'm gonna I read them exactly the way they are, and so I'm gonna do that here for the rest of this article. So among all the fears, fear for health, job security, the fear of the unknown or the future is the greatest and most dangerous. We as preppers should live and act by the premise of an unknown future. But when that premise goes worldwide and when common people start to fear from an unknown future, the whole picture can be different. This whole situation could go in many different directions, but the most probable direction where it will go is not nice. We might be living in times of massive change. In the name of health, safety, and security, an individual person becomes irrelevant. You or me alone are irrelevant if we are portrayed as, for example, a health hazard or risk for the community. Our rights basically cease to exist. If you are portrayed as, let's say, a terrorist, your rights no longer exist. Not only will you lose your rights, but you will be publicly portrayed as a threat. You will be described in a way that your own neighbors will hunt you down like a rabid animal, and then turn you in if you survive. Now, there are times and places and people who deserve to be hunted. There are real terrorists who deserve to be punished. But the point here is who decides who is terrorist or a health risk, and who controls the people who make those decisions? We are living in times when all that gets blurred together and rushed in the name of security, or in this latest situation, in the name of public health. I have seen people get quarantined for 28 days in tents without proper food, hygiene, or anything similar just because someone told authorities they are suspicious and may have the virus. People being separated from their families based on an assumption made from some guy who doesn't know anything about medicine and then being put into those tents for weeks. And yes, it is unconstitutional, of course, but nobody cares. It is an example only, but in times of great fear, a lot of things that used to be unimaginable become real so easily. Now, every hard time has and had leaders. Sometimes the whole system works in a way that leaders are not so important. Sometimes great figures emerged in hard times and carry the whole spirit of the nations in a good direction. And sometimes false leaders emerge. They emerged many times through the world history, strong leaders who led their nations through the hard times in a manipulative way. They channeled their feelings in order to achieve their own dreams or agendas. They turned their dreams into what they thought was the national dream. Adolf Hitler led his nation, very simplified, from the times of national disaster, huge unemployment, public shame, and general disappointment to the moment where, under his leadership, a majority of his country approved of the extermination of whole nations by willingly doing it or closing their eyes to it. This particular example is way too big and complicated for me to explain it, but the point here is that you cannot underestimate the fact that desperate people can be led in wrong directions by manipulation in a pretty easy way. Common folks can do a lot of unimaginable things where there is the right combination of a real leader, fear, 
and desperate times. And guys, real leader is in quotes, uh, just kind of putting that out there. So let's hope we let's hope we're gonna have more real leaders than real leaders. Again, the quotes: real leaders than quote unquote real leaders. Now, I advocate, just like always, that much more attention be paid to your own local level or small circle. But do not get me wrong. It pays off to be aware of the bigger picture or in time you might wake up one morning in a society that looks something from an Orwell book. On a local or personal level, there are a lot of changes that are noticeable among people in the last few months. It is more worrying, actually, that those changes are also noticeable among a lot of people who should be more ready because they are preppers or survivalists. A picture is better than a thousand words, so I'm using it here. And guys, there's a picture of a guy who's all decked out in his gear, right? He's got the AR and all that kind of, you know, hanging from his rig. And it says, uh, preppers for the last 10 years. And there's a, a bubble that says, I can survive here for 10 months. And he's in a bunker. And of course, this has been Photoshopped, right? And then it says, preppers finally getting a chance in 2020. And there is a guy and the same guy who's protesting. He has the gear and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this, you know, a cutout of the guy that was in the bunker. He's in a protest with a bunch of other people, and it says there's a, a bubble, a, a, you know, a, a speech bubble that says, "I want to go to the hairdresser." <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that uh, you know, that's that's something that that's been out there, right? That's something that people have. I have noticed people, even in the preparedness community, kind of say, "Not everybody, but you know, people want things to get back to normal." So uh, continuing on here. This latest situation came as a huge shock to many preppers too. And in reality, it should not be so huge a shock. It is something that you as a prepper have been preparing for over the course of many years. It was a huge shock for some of you probably for several reasons. And all those reasons are known and mentioned many times. But yes, it is different when you live it for real. The important thing to understand here is that all of this, no matter how hard it was and still is, is nothing compared to the situation that might come after this. We are only starting to realize a whole bunch of repercussions of all of this, economically and worldwide, and nobody is even sure how hard it might be and where it can lead. So remember these five things. What I would like to emphasize here in this article again are the things that might become very important in the next period. Well, guys, the rest of the article are these five things and they're just, you know, bullet points, basically what they are. And I'd like to read them and just elaborate on them a little bit to, to give a little bit of commentary here to what Selko is saying. So the first one, I'm going to take these one by one. The first one is the system is fragile and usually corrupt. It takes care first for itself. Do not blindly trust it. I'm not saying the system is necessarily your enemy, but I am saying do not trust it. And then there is a link here to another article that says, see this article about the system. Well, I would, I would agree. The system is very fragile. And those of us who are in the preparedness community really understand this. I mean, we just look at the just-in-time uh, system. And for those of you that might be new to the podcast, and this might be your very first episode, and because of the coronavirus or because you realize that, you know what, things are kind of crazy out there and you went looking for information, and this might be your first episode, let me talk very briefly about the just-in-time just in time system. So basically, you go to the grocery store and you buy an item. When you go to the checkout counter, that item is it's in it's in the inventory, it's in the computer. They scan it, 
you pay for it, it goes into the computer as an item that is sold, then that information is sent to the warehouse and the warehouse gets a list of things that they need to send to the, the grocery store to resupply it so it is restocked. And so they do this so that there's not a lot of stock of food in the back. Remember back in the day when I was a kid and there was something that was missing you know, out on the shelves, my mom could go to one of the stockers and say, hey, do you have some of this in the back? And they would go look and they would come back with a box and they would give my mom whatever they wanted or whatever she wanted and then they would restock the shelf and go get rid of the box. They don't do that anymore. Now, everything is this just-in-time system where it gets to the store just in time to get put out on the shelf and so, you know, it's there for the next day or the next couple of days. And so we have all of this product, all of these items, all of this food and, and all the other things, cleaning supplies that are in the system, you know, at, at a certain time and they're moving. And some people say there's only about three to five days of that in the system at any given time. So for whatever reason, if the trucks stopped, if for whatever reason there was that kind of situation then you know whatever was there would only last a few days and then the shelves would be empty. We have great examples of this when we go through, for instance, hurricanes or blizzards, for those of you that are up north. But when we have a hurricane and things, you know, people rush to the store, they wipe out everything that's on the, on the shelves, and then you go in because you procrastinated or you're not prepared, and you go and there's nothing there left but hominy. And then you, you, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, what in the world is going on? And then so you go the next day, but trucks aren't coming in because the big storm is coming. And so you're 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 worried. You're right. You're not prepared. You don't have that because the system broke down at some point because trucks, 18 wheelers, you know, filled with all the food that they need to resupply the grocery stores aren't coming in because they don't want to get caught in the hurricane. And so we have that situation. So that's a hurricane, a blizzard, you know, whatever might might happen there along those lines, fires and, and all that kind of stuff. But now we're talking about a global supply chain issue where there's disruptions all throughout the line. And so the system is very fragile where it's, you know, it's kind of hanging on this this thread. And if there's little hiccups along the way, there can be problems for the end user, for those of us that are going to the grocery store. So what is the answer to that? The answer is to build layers, to build layers of survival into your life and into your preparedness. So let me take an example. I'm going to use food here because I've already been talking about food. And so let me use this as an example to kind of build on. If we're looking at layers of survival for food, the first one would be, the first layer would be, I go to my pantry and what I have in my pantry is my first layer. There I can go, I can open up uh, you know, peanut butter, I can open up some crackers, I can make myself a box of whatever I have and I have food there. That is my first layer. The next layer for you would be the grocery store. I know that I can go to the grocery store, right, when things are good and everything is, is, is fine. And even right now, even during this COVID-19 thing, you can still go to the grocery store. They're still open. People can still go. You might not find exactly what you want. You might not find the exact brand of what you want, but there is food there. Right now in, in the United States, people are not going hungry for, for, for the grocery stores not having food, right? People have lost their jobs and people are standing in food lines. And we see you know articles in news stories about long lines. 
for that. But what I'm saying is if you wanted to go to the grocery store and you had money to buy something, then you're not going to have an issue. You have there are things at the grocery store that you can buy right now. So that would be another layer of survival, that grocery store that you go. And hopefully you're not a type of person that goes every single day. I know of people that would go to the grocery store every single day to make dinner. I, I'm more along the lines as I like to make a menu and I like to make sure that, you know, I have maybe a week's worth of menu planned out, maybe a month's worth planned out as much as possible, right? I don't want to go to the grocery store after work every single day, even though I do know people that, that do that. And it's, it's really crazy. So another layer would be you decide to stock up for more than your regular groceries. So like I said just, just a minute ago, if you, uh, if you normally go to the grocery store and you stock up for uh, a week or you make a menu for a week and, and you go live off of that, then the next step would be then you expand that and you go for 30 days, right? And you make you make a, a menu for 30 days and you have some system that you start to, to use like a first in, first out. You might see that in articles if you're reading preparedness articles on food storage. And so basically that means that the newest item that you have, you push that to the very back. And the oldest item that you have, you're eating off of that. And there is this rotation that is going on in your food storage. Now, if you would like some more information on food storage and using canned goods and stuff that you can get at the grocery store, I do have a free course over at PrepperWebsite.net that you can take. And I also have an ebook that I wrote based off of that course. And it's only $3. It's just you know something to, uh, to help pay the bills there. So you have that resource, and I believe it is linked. It'll it'll be linked in the uh, in the show notes if you want to go check that out. So you have that ability to go beyond what you normally would eat on a regular day. You know, another layer would be let's expand that. So then the next layer would be okay. You start making your your you know long term food storage plans, and for a lot of people, the the you know besides going for that. Let me build a month or two months worth of canned goods and rotate them out and all that kind of stuff. The next stage would be maybe some food buckets. And so you are making food buckets with, uh, you know, with with five gallon buckets from Home Depot with Mylar bag with oxygen absorbers. You're making sure that, you, you know, you you get some good information. You realize what you, you need to do. You have all that stuff set up. You go, you make, you know, buckets of rice and beans and maybe some pasta and other things. And those things would last for a lot, uh, a, a lot longer time than just regular stuff that, it, that you put in your pantry. And so uh, there's a, a lot of good information. I'm actually going to link to another article about Uber, uh, Uber Guide to Food Storage. And so you can go check that one out. I wrote that a long time ago, but it still very much applies uh, today where we are. And it just applies to, you know, building your own buckets and things like that. So then besides that, the next layer might be that you add some commercial long-term food storage, like from a reputable company like Legacy Food that has really good food. I like Legacy Food. I like um, Mountain House. Uh, Mountain House has some good stuff. You can buy single packages. Usually uh, that's the way Mountain House comes, is, you know, single packages. Um, Legacy Food is more built around like a family. And so, you know, their, their pouches are more um, have more inside of them and they're they're based more for a family. But anyway, uh, you, that would be like another layer. And so you're building these layers on top of each other so that you have if if something fails along the way because the system is fragile, 
If something fails, you can always depend on the next layer. And so you do that for everything in your in your life, right? You do that for everything. You should do that financially. You should do that with uh, power. You should do that with cooking. You should have multiple ways and layers of cooking. Yeah, I mean, and just go on and on and on. And you build layers. It takes thought. It takes some planning. It takes, you know, uh, a little bit of, of time to sit down and say, okay, if this thing happened, what would I do, right? If, if I needed to cook and I couldn't turn on my stove, what am I going to do? All right, well, I might go to my, my uh, barbecue pit that has a, uh, a gas, you know, a gas burner on the side. Okay. If I run out of propane, what do I do? Okay. Well, I've got a camping stove that I use and I have a lot of little bottles of propane that I can use. Okay, fine. What if that runs out? Well, then I have a fire pit in the backyard and, you know, I have wood stocked up in the back. And so I can always make a fire if I needed to. Right. Okay, what if, you know, and so you see where I'm going with that is you start to think about the layers in your preparedness and in how you can build up those layers. And that helps you not be so frail because the system is fragile. Okay, so I beat that one to death. Let's go ahead and move on to the second one. The second point is this, it is time to be self-sufficient, self-reliant, and resilient as much as it is possible. I completely agree with this one. Now, let me, let's look at some definitions here. Self-sufficient means that you are completely, you don't need anything else, right? You are completely self-sufficient. You don't need any help from the outside. Now, there's no way to be completely self-sufficient. There's always going to be things that you need. Even people that lived back in the day still needed uh, you know, products and items from, from, from different people and various people. They would buy and save up and all that kind of stuff, right? And they would trade. So the idea here, though, is that you can be sufficient in some things. You can be sufficient in some of the things that you do as much as possible. So you need to think about those things. You know, the other thing is self-reliant. And this is important because you realize that you're taking the responsibility for yourself and you're taking the responsibility for your family and you are not depending on somebody else. It is amazing out there, the, the people that when something goes wrong, something goes bad, the, the minute that happens, they're turning to the government. What is the government going to do? What is Trump going to do? What is the governor going to do? What is the, the county going to do? You know, uh, what is the school district going to do? What is, you know, whatever the politicians, they're turning to that instead of looking in and saying, you know what, I don't want to be responsible for anybody else. I, or, or I don't want to be responsible to anybody else or waiting for anyone to come and save me or help me or help my family. Because I tell you what, you know, when there's times like, I'm again, I'm going to take Hurricane Harvey, right? We had a lot of help down here in the Gulf Coast. And so our neighbors over in Louisiana, we had the Cajun Navy. I mean, they, those guys mobilized even before the, the government did. And they were in the water. They were saving people. They were taking them to dry ground. They were doing all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, we have, we have that aspect. When things happen in other parts of the country, other parts of the country that are not affected always come to their aid. And, or sometimes even other countries come to their aid. Well, that's not always the case when you have this global thing, this global pandemic going on. 
And so people are waiting for the government. Where's the government? You know, where's my government handout? What is uh, when is the government going to come through for me? When is all of this stuff going to happen? You know, when are they going to do this? And really, the responsibility is yours. You are responsible for you and your family. I don't want my kids. I don't want my family looking to me and saying, hey, what, what are we going to do here? I want to have some answers. Now, you can't have all the answers, but when it's something as simple as having some food and having some power and having some ways to do things and, and some understanding, easy things that you could do because you just took a little bit of time to prepare and to plan. You didn't sit down watching American Idol and all the other stupid shows that are on there. You took a little bit on the idiot box, right? You took a little bit of time to prepare for your family and to realize, you know, what do I need to do to be able to be a little bit more self-reliant? So I'm not as reliant on the government or I'm not reliant on, on any other kind of you know, organization out there. And so that's where we truly need to be right now. We need to be at a place where we are able to be responsible and we are taking responsibility. You know, if, if you're, if you don't have, maybe you're listening to this and you don't have any masks at this time and you're kicking yourself because you didn't, you know, buy some N95 masks when I, you know, put the link over on Prepper website, or maybe you don't go check Prepper website. I don't know, but I'm always linking. I'm trying to think ahead of things that people might need. And uh, I got to say this real quick. Thank you for those that purchased through the Amazon link, because it always, it's a, it's a blessing for, for me, for Prepper website, because I do get a little percentage of whatever you buy, even if it's not the, the thing that I list. But let's say you didn't have N95 masks and you get upset. You're upset at the, the medical community and you're upset at people that are, you know, that that have masks and you're upset at, you know, the, the government and what you know, China and, and all this other kind of stuff. It's like, you know, that's really your responsibility. You know, there was the news of what was going on in China and this pandemic was going on, uh, you know, for for a month for almost two months before things really started kicking up in this area, you know, or in, in our country. And so you had time. People were talking about it. If you would have had your eyes open and you would have been paying attention. So you can't get mad at everybody else because you did not prepare. And you want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. You want to make sure that as we are moving forward and we are looking at the future here, the very near future, we're looking at the fall. We're looking at what happens in the wintertime. We're looking at, you know, what happens with the election in November. And our people are going to go crazy because, you know, this this country is already very divided. And maybe this pandemic has helped people settle down a little bit, at least um, out in, in, in public. But now that's starting to kind of ramp up again. And it will ramp up even more because people are at a fever pitch. People are ready to get out and about. And there's going to be a lot of things that are going on and we need to be aware. But we can't be reliant on any other organization. You got to be reliant on your own self, right? You got to be you, you got to be responsible for taking care of yourself and your family. So the third and the fourth one, I want to read them together, and I'm going to bounce off of both of those. The third one says this, It is now time more than ever to be quiet about what you prep, how you prep, and where. Publicly, be like the majority people around you, scared, more or less, and unsure. And number four is make connections, know people, find like-minded folk that you may lean on once if the situation deteriorates more. 
It would kind of seem like those are contradicting each other, but they're not. I don't, I, I agree with number three as far as you need to be quiet about what you have. Now, let me give you an example. As things were ramping up and, and things were, you know, I saw things going on in China and then I saw it happening in other countries and I knew eventually it was going to be here. I started talking to some of my friends and even my colleagues that I work with. I even called them into a meeting. My supervisor was out and, and uh, I, I, I let her know that I wanted to do this. And she said, it's completely up to you. And I don't know how, she, I, I, maybe she thought it wasn't going to go over very well. But I just felt like I had to, right? And, and maybe it was a God thing. So I called them all in and I, I told them, I said, look, I, I've got a way right here whether I, I look like a kook to you, like I sound like a, a you know some some nut, or you understand that I care about you and I want you to uh, you know be be as prepared. And I started talking about you know what what I know from you know what I was seeing and all that. And you know a lot of them were very appreciative. Later on, as things started ramping up, they were sending me texts, they were sending me emails, uh, even in our meetings online, they were just letting me know they were grateful. I also texted people that I had worked with in the past and people that I was, you know, I had a close relationship as maybe their supervisor or I worked with them and I said, hey, listen, things look like uh, they're going to start ramping up and you might want to go and buy some extra food and some extra hygiene items, some toilet paper, things like that. And if you, for whatever reason, nothing happens and you just have extra and you don't have to go to the grocery store, but if something does happen, you're, you're better off. And you know what? I received a lot of text messages, a lot of appreciative you know, text messages from people saying, thank you so much. I didn't have to go out into the crowds. I didn't have to fight people because I listened to you. Right. And, and so, you know, you have that aspect of it. But in all of that time, when I was talking to people, when I when I was sharing with people, I did not let them know what I have. I don't I don't go and say, hey, guys, I have, you know this amount of toilet paper. I have this amount of, uh, you know, food for me and my family. I have this amount of that. I never talk about that, but I, I do talk about that. Hey, you need to get better prepared. Now, some people won't even want you to do that or say that you shouldn't even do that. But I think I, I feel led to, I feel called to, to do that. And you need to see where you are there. But I do understand there are some things that I'm completely quiet about. You know, one of the things that we talked about in our our uh, virtual online meetup in the, the Prepper website exclusive email group, we were talking about different things. And one of the things that I mentioned is I never talk about firearms. I never talk about firearms as far as what I have or even if I have any, you know, on the podcast or on an article or anything like that. I've had people who have interviewed me before and that was going to be one of the questions, right? Like, hey, what kind of, you know, pistols do you have or blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, yeah, I don't talk about that. I just don't think that that is something you should talk about. And so I see people on social media, family members, friends, and they're posting things from, you know, the, the, the gun range or whatever. And I'm like, hey, you know, I don't know if that's a very good idea of putting that stuff out there in public. And, and they always come back, oh, no, it's great. And most of the time people are wanting all the likes and all the oohs and the ahs because, you know, you're at the gun range and, you know, you're sending rounds down the, down the range. But there are some things that I just do not talk about. I don't think you should you should talk about. And so if I have firearms or if I don't have firearms, 
no one would really know out there because I just don't talk about it. I don't think, I mean, you might think I'm a pacifist, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I might be a pacifist. I might say, hey, we don't have any firearms here. I, I don't believe in it. And, or I might be completely on the other end. I might be a gun nut. I might be, you might come into my house and I have a gun in every corner, right? So you would never know that from the way that, uh, you know, I say things and I do articles and I post on Instagram and all that kind of stuff because I think that should be quiet. And so you need to range that for yourself as well. What do you talk about? How much do you talk about? And is it smart to help other people get better prepared right now? There's a lot of people out there that are worried and concerned. And if you can help point them in the right direction, maybe not even to where you're like giving them all the information, not like you're an expert or anything, but even, hey, you know what? On Facebook today, I saw an article about how to be better prepared for the next big thing. And you know what? Let me send it to you. And so that's that's something that you can do. All right, so number four, though, was make connections and know people, find like-minded folk. And I completely agree with that as well. I believe that you you should have that. Now, let me let me say this, and I know I might make some people mad here. There is this romanticized idea in the preparedness community that the, the goal is to have a mutual assistance group where you have a group of buddies and you know family members, whatever, and you have a cabin out in the woods. And so when the poop hits the fan, you all wind up going down to, to your bug out location and you survive the, you know, the end of the world as we know it, right? So those of you who have read James Wesley Rawls' book, Patriots, um, it's exactly that idea. Now, that was a great book, a lot of great information in that book. You should read that book. But I think that's a romanticized way of looking at, uh, you know, coming together as a community when the poop hits the fan. I don't there's there's so much there that could go wrong. And, and not only that, I mean, well, I, I don't even want to go down the whole thing, but the, the whole rabbit show here. But you can bring someone into your group and then have a falling out. Well, then you would have to change everything because they already know everything about the whole group. And so what would happen if they wound up showing up at the bug out location when, you know, the poop hit the fan and maybe two or three other members could make it, but they make it, but they weren't really in the group. And so I mean, you have all of these things there. The real community, the real connections that you should be making are those people in your immediate area, your circle of influence, your community. That that's that's those are the people that you should be focusing on. Now, there's going to be some pesky neighbors. Everyone has that. There are going to be people that maybe you don't want to associate with. But there's going to be people there that have a vested interest in security. They're going to have a vested interest in, you know, protecting each other and coming together, especially during a situation when the poop hits the fan. And so really, that's what you should be doing is reaching out to your neighbors, knowing who is kind of like you as far as the mentality, who who will be able to who you could depend on if the poop hit the fan and who can rise to that occasion because they might not call themselves preppers. They might not call themselves survivalists, uh, but they might have a lot of gardening knowledge. They might have, uh, they might be ex army, ex military, um, you know, Marines, and they can help with defenses and, and help to understand strategy and, and tactics. Uh, you might have people who are engineers that can help rig things up if that is needed. And so you really need to make connections in your own area. That's going to be very, very important. And so I, I hope you take that into serious consideration. The fifth thing is this. 
Do not blindly trust the media. Try to find and follow your own source of information. And then there's another link here. See this article for more about the media. And so you can click on that and uh, you can go check that out. I would completely agree. Again, I think even before this whole, um, not I think, for sure, before the whole coronavirus thing, no one could trust the media, right? They're out there and they are saying that they are just one way of, of saying things and doing things. They have their own agenda, their own political agenda. It is not like, uh, you know, when I went to school and I took journalism classes and it was all about being very, you know, uh, objective and, and you just gave the facts. I mean, my journalism professor was all about just the facts and she would always write us about, hey, you're putting your own opinion in here. You know, you just need to have hard news facts. And, uh, and go from there. And it has completely changed. I mean, everybody gives their own opinions and uh, they let you know what they think. And a lot of the times they say things like it is completely true and it winds up not being true. So you have to be very, very careful. And in this situation where we're in with the COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever, all of this stuff right now, you're, you're hearing things that are being said and then you're hearing things from another organization. And in you know, I mentioned this a little bit on my in my sermon. Actually, I mentioned it a lot in my sermon today. I talked a lot about what was going on and, and knowing the future and being prepared for the future. And the thing is, is that there are so many contradictory things that are being said out there. Even people that I respect. One person is saying one thing. Another person is saying another thing. And so you really need to figure out where you're going to wind up in all of this and getting some good information and knowing who you can trust. So you can click that link in that article uh, over at number five and, and go there and get a little bit more of insight of how you can find better, you know, better news and stay better informed. And maybe there's some alternative news organizations. Again, I like uh, John Haller and in the various prophecy updates that, that I post over at Prepper website with the Weekly Watchman. But ultimately for this, uh, in, in this regard, it boils down to this. For me as a believer, it boils down to my trust in God. And again, I talked about this this Sunday morning because I've been getting questions. I've been, you know, I've been letting my church know from the very beginning of what was going on. And I let them know way ahead of time before um, you know, before things were shut down and things like that, that they should prepare. And I was bringing this up uh, to them. And so again, they were, you know, they saw that they saw the way that things went. And so they're asking me, okay, Todd, where, where are we headed? And I don't have that, that answer. I, I, I can't give them, you know, answers there. I can say, well, I'm hearing this and I'm reading this and I don't know. I mean, I I really do believe that things could get a lot worse and not necessarily just with the virus. I think we're going to see resurgence here in Texas. They open back up and they're doing phases, which I'm glad that they're doing because phase one is certain businesses. And I completely understand the economic situation and that businesses need to reopen. What I like what they did is phase one is a two week phase 
And so then they will see what happens at the end of that phase and you know where we are. Are things getting better or are things getting worse? And if things have dramatically gotten worse and we're seeing a lot of clusters, according to the to the state, they're going to you know, uh, you know lock down again. You know, and so you have that. You have other states doing all kinds of of different things as well. And so there's so many things that are going on out there that you know who do you trust? I know people that I, you know, family members and people that I know that because the state started opening up again, it was like the virus was completely gone. And so you have a lot of people that aren't wearing masks and a lot of people that are, you know, back to life, back to normal. And that was never the case. That's not what was said. It was a slow release, a slow open, you know, phases of of opening up. And so there are going to be some people that are going to get sick again. So besides the virus, though, we have this big economic situation that is going on. And I actually talk a lot about different things in my in my message today. And I'm going to actually link to it. I know not everybody who listens to this uh, podcast, you know, is a, is a Christian, is a believer. But if you're interested, I do talk a lot about, you know, the situation and all the things to consider. And ultimately, when it boils down we need to trust in God. At least that's where, where I trust. And so you need to, to know where your trust is and who you're going to trust in all in all of this, right? And so it boils down to you can't blindly trust you know, the media out there or social media or what people are saying. People have different agendas. For me, though, I know that I can trust the Lord and I know that he has me in the palm of, palm of his hand. And that's the best place to be for me. And that's really the best place for you. But I'm not preaching to you. You can go listen to that message. I'm going to link to it if you'd like. Well, guys, that's it for this article here. Again, like I said, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes so you can go and check it out yourself. There's going to be a lot of other links there that you can bounce off of and get some more information. And I always, you know, I always encourage you to do that. Because, you know, there's people in the preparedness community that are putting out some really great stuff and supporting them by clicking over to their website is always important. So I really do appreciate that you do that to for the articles that I read and then also for you know those that I interview uh, that you would go and check out their YouTube channels, their their websites and all that kind of stuff uh, because they do take the time to you know put out information and content for people out there. And, uh, you know, that's that's a great benefit to us. And so uh, I would appreciate it if you would do that and, and bless them in that regard. Well, guys, that's it for episode 639. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app or head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, If you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, and that's just the regular email list, right, for Prepper Website and the podcast. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. Guys, I make it very easy for you for all of these things. All of these links are in the show notes and you can just do that one click and head on over there. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. 
Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.